Hey, you. Thank you for joining me for episode number 113 of Better Regulate Than Never. Can you believe that we don't have much time left in this semester? Now that I work from home, I don't have those little markers that tell me that time is going by. And I feel like I'm just working along and then I can't believe what season we're in and that Thanksgiving is just a few weeks away. Like, it's so crazy. I realized that I haven't done an episode about grief and grieving, and I suppose that's because I don't like the subject very much. And even though we feel grief for different types of events, like a breakup, an illness, or a move to a new town or school, we usually think about grief associated with death. And death is a subject that we would all like to avoid. Once in life coach training, they asked us what emotion that we fear or dread the most. And I said, grief. When I think about the feeling of grief, it is so painful in my body. And I also feel nauseous when I think about it. I spent time this week with grief and I decided that we really need to talk about it here. I spent a whole morning this week with some amazing folks who had just lost their dear friend. I live near a nonprofit group that serves adults with disabilities. And I'm going to put some information about this group in the show notes, but the nonprofit group is called Woolly Farms. And they had lost one of their members suddenly. And they asked me to come and talk to the folks who attend there because they would have a lot of questions and sadness to process. I spent a whole day preparing to talk to this group because I knew that some of them wouldn't really understand death or wouldn't understand what was even happening. And others would totally understand and fully understand and be sad that their friend had died and that they were not coming back. So I put together some information that I thought would be helpful to them but I wanted to share it with you because I think it's important for all of us to think about. There are five stages of grief, but they're not necessarily in any order. So it's not like you go through one and then two and then three. They actually can be in all different, in any different order. But I do think that the first and the fifth probably happen around the first and the fifth stages, but just remember that no matter which things you're feeling or what stage you might be in, that it doesn't mean that the next stage is happening next or anything like that. And there's really no right way to grieve. I want you to know that any response that you have to grief is normal. The first stage is denial. And that's thinking things like, this cannot be happening. It's that phone call in the middle of the night, the text from a friend telling you that someone has died, the TV announcement, the post on social media, that initial thought of no way they cannot be gone. And I've experienced that so many times with seeing something on social media or getting that text from a friend just thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. You can also feel this way when you lose a job or someone breaks up with you or a friendship is over. 
When you are in the stage, you feel like you're in a fog and sometimes you might even think it isn't real, that you will wake up and it will all just have been a bad dream. But then you remember that it is real. The second stage is anger. And this is thinking things like, why is this happening to me? You might be angry at the circumstances surrounding the death. You might be angry at yourself for not being able to stop it or angry at the person that died for leaving you. When you lose a job, you might be angry at your boss or other coworkers or yourself for actions that might have caused you to be fired or to lose the job. You might be angry at the universe or God. You may even think no one understands. I remember when my dad died and my whole world stopped. And then I would notice that the world for everyone else kept going. The events of the day just went on as if nothing bad had happened. It feels isolating because you can't make sense of the days, but other people don't have any trouble. I also remember when I was 10, my great uncle died. And a lot of people for their great uncle, they're like, I hardly even know him. But my sister and I were very close to our great uncle because he was like a grandpa to us. We lived next door to him and he spent a lot of time at our house because he just lived alone. He'd never been married, didn't have any kids. And he played with us. When other adults would ignore us, he would chase us around. He would throw baseballs to us for us to hit outside. I mean, he was just really fun and we enjoyed him so much. And when he died, I was so sad and I didn't understand why the adults were laughing or seemed indifferent to it. And I realize now as an adult that the adults at the time had already understood that he was going to die. He had cancer and they knew it was only a matter of time and probably just relieved that he wasn't suffering anymore. My sister and I had been sheltered from all of that. And so it seemed that one day he was fine and then he went to the hospital. And we didn't see him again until the funeral. And this, I think, is the worst thing that people used to do. But at that time, when I was 10, and my sister would have been seven, probably, children under 12 were not allowed on the hospital floor. Like you could be in the hospital and be in the waiting room, but you couldn't go anywhere else. And I will never forget how angry I was that I couldn't see him because he was a friend to us. Like we loved playing with him and seeing him. And we knew we were in the hospital because he was there, but we weren't allowed to see him. Oh, I just, I think I used to have like, um, I would dream or like daydream, imagine that I would just break through the doors and run down to see him in his room, even though I wasn't supposed to. I just remember that. I just was mad at all the people and I was mad at what was happening. And I didn't even know he was dying. I just knew that something bad was happening and no one was listening to me. And I should mention that you may go through some of these stages or all of these stages before someone dies. So if someone is diagnosed with a terminal illness, and this is just me thinking about how the adults at that time were probably dealing with it. You may experience these stages as they go through the illness and almost come to accept their death before it even happens. 
And this is just another way that people go through the stages in a different way. So the third stage is bargaining. And this is thinking things like, I'll do anything to fix this. And maybe you even think that there is something that you could have done to prevent the death or somehow you're being punished that this happened. People in this stage can spend a lot of time thinking about the what ifs. What if they hadn't taken that way to work? What if they hadn't smoked when they were younger? What if they had been, what if I had been nicer to them? What if I had went to see them that day? Why couldn't they just get better like my neighbor? Sometimes we feel that we could have done something to prevent the death. And once when a student from a school that I worked at completed suicide, I thought about all the times I had seen him and I analyzed all the talks we had and the interactions in the classroom. And I tried to figure out what could I have done differently to help him? This kind of thinking is just a way to feel like you have some control over death. Truthfully, every time I hear about a death, especially a car accident, I want to know how it happened because then I think, okay, I will avoid doing that. And then I won't have to worry about that happening to me. And of course, knowing how can't prevent something from happening, but it seems to serve a purpose. Like it feels like then we'll have control. Your bargaining could happen before a person dies, like telling God you will do anything if they will just spare this person. Bargaining can happen when losing a job or a relationship, telling your boss that you will do anything to keep the job, or thinking that if you just tried harder, your partner wouldn't have left, or you would still have that friend. The fourth stage is depression, and that's thinking things like, this is too sad. This doesn't mean clinical depression. I mean, I think it could turn into clinical depression, but it it just means a period of time when you are sad and you may just have low energy. You might feel overwhelmed with a lot of emotion, being tired or not feeling like doing anything. And you may not want to take care of yourself. When my dad died at first, I cried many times a day. Then as the days went by, I only cried two times a day or one time a day. And then one day I realized I didn't cry today. Then a couple of days go by without crying and then weeks and eventually months. My dad died almost 12 years ago and I still have tears now and then. He was a wonderful dad and I will always be sad that I can't see him. Of course, you will be sad if a breakup happens or you lose a job. It probably won't last as long as the sadness with death, but it could last a while. The fifth stage is acceptance. And that is thinking things like, I will be okay. And this doesn't mean that you're happy about the loss. It just means that you can start to move forward. You can think of your loved one and smile or even laugh about memories that you had with them. You are understanding that you have a new reality and that you are okay to start to navigate it without that person in it. I want to remind you that you may go through these stages in a different order. You may go back and forth between stages in any random pattern, or you just may stay in one stage longer than others. All of this is okay and the right way to do it. The most important part of talking about this is one, to normalize grief as part of life 
and know that you have to process through the grief. You can't ignore it or pretend that you don't have these emotions. You can get stuck in grief and it can become harmful to you. This week with my friends from Woolly Farms, I talked to them about making a grief plan. We talked about things that they can do to feel better. This doesn't mean that you should ignore that you feel bad, but you also don't want to stay in sadness and depression for a long time. So these are some of the things that we came up with this week to feel better. Talk to a friend or loved one. Listen to music. And not just sad music, but some fun music. One member loved Michael Jackson, and we talked about how fun that music can be. You could play a game with someone, create art, watch a funny movie, take a walk, and love on your pet. It is important to do something active each day, even if it's just going outside and walking around the block one time. I know when you're in some of those stages, you probably don't even want to get out of bed. And there is a time where maybe that is the right thing to do on a day, but don't spend a lot of days not doing anything. You've got to get up, eat something, drink something, walk around the block, do, do something active because that will help get that energy out of your body and get you going in a different direction. The last thing that we did to help process the sadness was talk about favorite memories of our friend who died. I had the members draw a picture and write about their favorite memory. And we're going to give those to the family of their friend who died. We also decorated hearts to remember their friend. And we put band-aids on the hearts because our hearts are hurting. Those hearts will hang in their space to remember their friend. When my dad and father-in-law died, the most helpful thing for me was creating a memory board and a memory video. It felt productive to do something, and it was fun to find pictures and music that meant something to me, and I was able to share that with others. Reach out to others if you're having trouble with grief. A life coach can help you with grief. It helps to just talk it out sometimes. And a life coach can be an open listening space and help you reframe your thoughts if needed. They can give you activities to try if you're still trying to figure out what to do next. And it is helpful to have someone who's not in your family or someone who didn't know or love the person who died because they can have a different view on what to do next. I also have reworked my homepage for my website. Take a look and see if it helps explain my mission a bit better. You can find me at betterregulatethannever.com and Better Regulate Than Never on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I am also on LinkedIn as Cynthia Koval, but my business is listed there as well. If you go to my link tree, you can sign up to get on my email list and get weekly news from me about all the different things that I'm trying to do. Talk to you soon.